Yes. Two five is here. The madness is here. The final four is here. Are you still not excited? Because I am. Why are you not excited? I thought you loved basketball. I don't need no blue bloods. I'm here for the ball. So, let's get into this. People, it is Saturday, April 1st, a.k.a. April Fool's Day, a.k.a. the first night of WrestleMania for those of you into that kind of thing. But we got the final four. The madness is here. San Diego State versus FAU at 6.09 Eastern. And then at 7.49 Eastern, game two, the Miami Hurricanes against the Yukon Huskies. We are here, but as always, we're going to get it started with a couple of quick notes that I found interesting. Like, for example, Hunter Dickinson, a 19-9 guy in back-to-back years, transferring from Michigan. Are you listening, Coach Calipari? Are you listening? You know, we might be losing Oscar Shibwe, so this would be a nice get. But if not, somebody's going to get a pretty good college player out there. Now, his issue is, He's one of those traditional bigs. So, you know, those guys are being phased out. I still have a value for them in college basketball. I mean, hell, you know, Zach Eadie just won the AP player of the year. So, you know, there's room on your roster for a guy like this. Caleb Love Dover at North Carolina went on the final four run that nobody saw coming last year to the championship game. Had me creating him on NBA 2K and everything for NBA 2K. K23, and of course, he wasn't there because he decided to come back to school. But he is leaving North Carolina, so let's see where he ends up. I think it's going to be interesting, provided that he works on his pass in the offseason. You know, he got to chucking shots down. You know, if he could ever become a passer and use his skills for good instead of evil, you know, somebody's going to get a pretty good player. Speaking of the Final Four, Congratulations are in order for Dusty May, the head coach at FAU, who had never won a tournament game before this season, and they are now in the Final Four. FAU is locking him up on an extension, so, you know, congratulations. You know, I thought that he was going to be in play for the Notre Dame job, but they just didn't lose. They haven't lost yet. So, you know, he's going to be back in Boca Raton. Got to correct some of y'all. You know, everybody keeps saying Fort Lauderdale. They're not, they're, you know, Boca Raton, you know, is where FAU plays. And, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. You know, good luck to the Owls. Hoot, hoot. You know, um, speaking of the Owls, Conference USA, what a year to be great, right? What a year to be great just for your best programs to leave. So, of course, you heard me mention Charlotte won the CBI. They're going to the American next year. Rice won a game in the CBI. They're going to the American next year. North Texas and UAB created an all-CUSA NIT title game that North Texas won. Going to the American next year. And then, of course, the breadwinner, FAU. 
Final Four bound this afternoon, tonight, going to the American next year. So it just goes to show you everybody wants these blue bloods in the Final Four, you know, and I know the TV execs want that. I'm pretty sure if it was up to CBS, you would get some combination of Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova, UCLA, something along those lines, maybe sprinkle in a Gonzaga, maybe sprinkle in Baylor since they're a recent national champion. That's what the execs would want. But you know what? The madness is here. This is what March Madness is all about. You know, it's all about these stories about these schools that we don't know. We get to know these players. We get to see them. We get to see them be successful. Now, granted, a lot of people want that in the first round, second round. But by the time we start getting to the Elite Eight Final Four, you want that familiarity. But guess what? Familiarity ain't always good. All money ain't good money. You know, at one point in time, UConn was just simply Connecticut. There was no UConn until Rip Hamilton and the crew came through and beat Duke in 99. Since then, they've won three titles. So now they're effectively known as UConn. You know, are they a blue blood? Do you consider UConn to be a blue blood? Hit me up on YouTube and let me know. Hit me up in the inbox and let me know. Because some people say they are. Some people say they've replaced Indiana, for example. Some people say they're a modern blue blood, but you can't, once you're a blue blood, you can't get kicked out the club. So, two questions, twofold. Do you still consider Indiana to be a blue blood? That's number one. Number two, is UConn a blue blood, or do they have to win this title that'll make five and 25 years to make them a blue blood? And oh, by the way, Third question, is Louisville a green, uh, blue blood? So those are my three questions for you. Now, back to some more quick notes real quick. Grant McCaslin, I just told you, North Texas won the NIT on Thursday night. How is he rewarded? He got an extension? Nope. He's on his way to Lubbock. He just took over the post at Texas Tech. You know, how does this work? Where's this tampering at, you know? He won the championship on Thursday. I woke up Friday morning and he had a job in Lubbock. Just saying, just throwing it out there because y'all get real mad about this transfer portal when these players decide to go to another school. You know, I'm sure there's going to be some people upset at Hunter Dickinson for leaving Michigan. There might not be that many people upset at Caleb Love, but you get the point. When these players move around, everybody's upset, which leads me to ask, what do you want from 18 and 19-year-olds? You know, this man just won the NIT. <clears throat> and he's gone. So what? What's the deal, people? You know, it's okay for the coaches to move, but not the players, right? All right. So in news that we expected, Brandon Miller has decided to declare for the NBA draft. Depending on who you talk to, he has a floor of Rudy Gay. Now, before you laugh, Rudy, Rudy Gay was that guy coming out of UConn. You know, obviously injuries derailed him some. But then from there, you know, um, his ceiling allegedly is Kevin Durant. So somebody's going to get a pretty good player 
who came up with a pretty all-time awful NCAA tournament, shooting 19.5% in his tournament games. You know, hopefully his mind is right. You know, we talked about January 15th. I'm not going to rehash that. You know, just saying rest in peace, Jameer Davis. You know, uh, but yeah, he's declared for the NBA draft. And it's not just him. Grady Dick at the University of Kansas. Freshman standout declared for the NBA draft. And I want somebody to do me a favor because as I was trying to do my research and get my information, his NBA comparison is Gordon Hayward. Can we stop comparing white dudes only to the white dudes? I'm sure there's a black player out there that his game resembles. It's just lazy. You know, then we got Jalen Hood Shafino, freshman point guard at Indiana, 6'6 point guard. So he fits in this new era in that SGA mold. You know, he averaged 13 and a half, four and four this season as a freshman for the Hoosiers who went out in the second round to Miami, who's now in the final four. So right now ESPN has him projected number 13 in the draft. NBA draft.net has him at number 17. So this guy can be a knockdown shooter. He just got to work on the shot selection. That's the problem. He can shoot it. He just takes the wrong shots. You know, he's a little timid at times, you know, which gives you a little hesitation, especially being that he's a point guard, because nowadays, you know, point guards are scorers, you know, Russell Westbrooks, your SGAs, as I mentioned, you know, but the problem that a lot of people have with him from what I was reading is that he doesn't have that explosive first step. And I'm here to tell you, you know, everybody doesn't have to be Allen Iverson and John Morant to be successful in the NBA. So his NBA comparison is Darren Williams, you know, who made a decent career for himself. It ended kind of prematurely as far as like his superstar because he was being compared to Chris Paul at one time. And then we looked kind of dumb after that once he started declining. Nick Smith from Arkansas, also a draft declarer, you know, supposed to be a lottery pick. But, you know, now I saw him initially as high as number four in some drafts. And now I'm seeing him as low as 13 to 15 up in that range because he didn't have the best NCAA tournament. And, of course, you heard me talk about how he got benched against Kansas because he wasn't effective. And then finally, I got one more for you. Jacob Toppin from Kentucky, little brother of Obi. You know, he is leaving Kentucky averaging 12 points. You know, I don't understand it. You know, like if I was if I was Jacob Toppin, I might be looking for another college versus going to the NBA, see if I can get some NIL money. I don't know if he has that NBA career waiting for him. He needs to shoot the three better. He's a 30 and a half percent three point shooter at six, nine, you know, and only shoots 66 percent from the free throw line. So I'm not saying that he got to come out here and, you know, turn into Rasheed Wallace or, you know, anything like that. But in today's NBA, you got to be able to space the floor. And, you know, I can see him going undrafted truthfully. You know, maybe somebody grabs him off of the potential that he can be Obi. But with that being said, Obi's only averaging six points per game. So it's not as if, you know, there's a superstar there. So enough of that. It's time for some predictions, y'all. So FAU San Diego State is our first game tipping off at 609 Eastern. FAU is the third 
nine seed to make the final four. A nine seed has never won a game in the final four. So Penn back in 1979, you know, who lost by 34 to Sparty in that final four. And then we had Wichita State back in 2013, who lost to eventual national champion Louisville by four points. And of course, uh, when uh, Michigan State beat Princeton, you know, that was one of those years, you know, where they lost to the eventual champion as well. So, FAU, I implore you, I demand of you, you cannot start this game today the way that you've been starting these games. Like their previous game against Kansas State, you know, 12 turnovers in the first half. That will get you buried against San Diego State. They will put you in the vice grip if you turn it over that many times in a half. Now, granted, San Diego State's not the type of team that necessarily causes a lot of turnovers. They're more of the we're going to get up in you. We're going to push you around and make you take bad shots, waste a lot of clock. So we're going to keep you from going fast. The good news for FAU is that they are equipped to win a game no matter what the score is. If you got to play in the 80s, FAU can do that. If you got to play in the 60s, FAU can do that. You want to play in the 50s, FAU can do that too. You know, we'll see if they can play in the 40s, maybe. So I'll call this game first to 55 wins this game. You know, so we'll see what happens. But San Diego State needs a performance from Matt Bradley. He was their leading scorer coming into the tournament. You know, their only double digit scorer by average for the season. And in his last two games, he is a combined three for 17. So that includes the win against Alabama. He had six points and four fouls, looking real Draymond from the NBA Finals. And then he also had one for eight with two points against Creighton. You know, FAU goes about nine deep. The good news for them is all nine of them can play defense. So, you know, from that standpoint, FAU has a shot because they can throw the bodies because San Diego State's going to throw bodies out there for defensive purposes, and FAU can counter with body after body. Nathan Mensa is going to be critical, rim protection, because, you know, FAU got Mr. Vlad Golden, who was the star of the Kansas State game, seven foot one. So can he be effective? Because San Diego State in the first half against Creighton had some trouble with our guy, Kyle Brenner, but they adjusted in the second half and neutralized him. So can they do the same thing here? Another good thing for FAU is that they played Tennessee already, who's a basically a bigger version of San Diego State. So they've seen this physical defense. They've gotten pushed around. But it was the same thing, the slow start at halftime. Tennessee had all these points off of turnovers, and FAU probably should have had an eight- or nine-point lead without those turnovers. So, again, they cannot do that in this game against San Diego State. And for those of you wanting the Blue Bloods here, you have to understand San Diego State is not necessarily new to this party. So, you know, they won the Mountain West regular season and tournament titles this year. But back in the COVID year, 2020, they were 30-2. and The season just got cut short. They were on their way to a one or a two seed that season, along with Dayton, OB Toppin. You know, that was that year. But we never got to see them in the NCAA tournament. So maybe if we did and they had made an elite run, elite eight run in that tournament, 
maybe we feel a little bit better about them in this tournament because we saw it happen and we're not viewing it as a fluke. So they kind of got screwed by the COVID season right there. So, you know, Florida Atlantic surprises me every game, you know, because they typically play four guards and then golden down there in the post. And, you know, this previous game, they out-rebounded K-State by 22. That's a Big 12 team that they out-rebounded by 22. So they'll have to have success on the glass again because they're probably going to miss a lot of their first shot attempts on possessions. You know, um, San Diego State, you know, we talked about their three-point defense. You know, they were top five in the country coming into the tournament. So what did they do in the tournament? Because regular season's over. It's that way. The madness is here. What, this, what has San Diego State done? They've held their opponents to about 17% shooting from three-point range in this tournament. And FAU is a team that hits 9.63s a game. This includes the previous game, holding Creighton to two for 17 shooting. So there it is. Who's going to hit the three ball? You know, that we say that a lot in this era of basketball, but I think this game in particular is going to be like the definition of that. Who can hit the three? Whoever hits the three can win. San Diego State is loaded with upperclassmen, you know. So on the season, San Diego State gives up 62.9 points a game. FAU scores 65.1. So keep an eye on the under for you betters out there. But at the end of the day, I think San Diego State will control the pace of the game, and I think they will churn FAU, do the butter on them, just churn them up. And I got San Diego State winning 60-54, to 54, advancing to Monday night. Now, I guess this would be the main event. Miami and UConn, formerly known as Connecticut. Now, Miami has been here. Well, not to the Final Four, but last year they made an Elite Eight run. Their coach, Laranyaga, not Laranaga. I've, I've been corrected. Laranyaga, you know, of course, he came over from George Mason with the run 15 years ago to the Final Four. And you know what's so poetic about this. This can only happen in sports, like the way we tie it all back together. But who did he beat to get to the Final Four? UConn. You know, he, he beat you a much better UConn team with a worse team to get to his first Final Four in an overtime game, you know. So wouldn't it be fitting that to get to the national title game, he has to go through UConn. Now, as I mentioned in the opening, beating UConn is not impossible. It is tough. It will be tough. But if there's a team in this Final Four that can do it, Miami can trade the punches with them. Miami's not going to be afraid of the moment. Are we going to get mid-range God, Chris Paul, in the fold in the mold of Isaiah Wong. If we do, Miami can win this game. Can Nigel Pack be the sharpshooter that we've seen him be in this tournament? If so, Miami can win this game. Can Norchan or Mir stay out of foul trouble? If so, Miami can win this game. Now that's the main question because you got Sonogo, my guy Adama Sonogo, down there in the post. You know, uh, he's gonna have to attack or Mir put it in his chest, and we'll see if Ormir can stay out of foul trouble. But even if he does, you still got seven foot two Donovan Klingon, you know. So, like, Miami's not very big because Ormir, to begin with, as Miami's big guy, is about six foot seven himself. So if he gets in foul trouble, it's going to be a long day at the office for the Canes. 
you know, and how awesome would that be? If we ended up with Canes and FAU, you know, for the national title, South Florida stand up. That would be awesome from a storyline standpoint. UConn has won their tournament games by an average of 22 and a half. So simply, Miami needs to stick around. You know, they don't have to be winning the whole game. They don't have to go wire to wire. But if Miami can stay within four to six points for the majority of the game, they give themselves a chance to win. They came back down from 13 against Texas in the Elite Eight, went on a 30-14 run to close the game. You know, second half, they outscored Texas 51 to 36. And this is where UConn puts the clamps on people. You know, they come out on fire to start the second half. You know, my God, this is the battle of the Jordans. Jordan Hawkins from UConn, Jordan Miller from Miami. Jordan Miller from Miami went seven for seven the other day against Texas. You know, went 13 for 13 from the free throw line. So I don't expect that to replicate itself. You know, um, Jordan Hawkins from UConn missed practice yesterday. He was out a little sick, non-COVID, so he's expected to play and all that good stuff. But he has to hit shots because if he's not hitting shots, then it's just the onus on everybody else. Who steps up? Is it going to be Andre Jackson, a.k.a. I like to call him the cutter. You know, he's constantly moving. He's constantly putting pressure on your defense because you have to be aware of where he is because he will get to the basket and get a layup before you could blink. You know, so can Miami stop the back door? So that's going to be the first question. You know, Miami shoots 36.9 from three, which was best in the ACC this season, you know, ranking 40th in the country. So Miami's going to have to knock down some shots because they're not going to be able to generate much in the paint. So they need to have the threat of hitting the shots to open up the paint just a little bit so that they can drive. You know, Miami has the fifth rated offense in Kempom this season. But remember Gonzaga led the nation in scoring and UConn said we'll have none of that. So can Miami score? Because I don't think Miami can have very much success stopping UConn consistently. You know, UConn and Texas are different teams, but I think this game can be similar from the standpoint of UConn just scoring and putting the pressure on Miami. Miami constantly having to keep a pace, and I just don't know if they can do that. You know, um, as I look at this, I went with UConn, 83-73. to So UConn just slightly covering the last I saw the spread, it was about five and a half. So, you know, just from that standpoint – I see this as that game where Miami does hang around a little bit. Maybe they fall down, say, 16 or so in the second half. They hit a couple of timely shots, cut it down to eight, maybe seven, still a little bit of momentum, and then UConn's just too good in the end. So, you know, I got UConn advancing to Monday night against San Diego State. San Diego State can beat UConn. They can. But I'm going to stick with UConn. UConn, I think, is going to be your national champion. But closing thoughts. It is not impossible. You've seen throughout this tournament that the possible, the impossible is possible. So don't be surprised if UConn doesn't win the title. UConn is not far and away the best team in the country. You know, when Baylor and Gonzaga played for the national title a couple of years ago, they were far and away the best two teams in the country that year. You know, if one of them didn't win the title, you would have been shocked. Kansas came into the tournament last year, 
by far and away the best team in the tournament last year. Now, UConn has become the best team while within the tournament. But like I said, they weren't even ranked coming in preseason, you know, and they finished fourth in their conference. They've lost eight games. So I'm not here for the UConn is immovable and UConn is just going to walk all over everybody. You know, if I'm um, UConn, I probably would rather see FAU just because you can go to FAU into playing your style of ball, whereas San Diego State can muddy it up. And as we saw against Alabama, who's better than UConn, San Diego State can force turnovers at times. They can force you into bad shots. They can muck it up and make you play their style. So, you know, that would be interesting for me to see how UConn responds to that, and especially if what's going on with Jordan Hawkins, how sick is he, how effective is he going to be tonight? So if you're FAU and you win, you're hoping for Miami. I think San Diego State doesn't care. They're just here. They're ready to play. They're playing with house money. And that's the other issue is that the winner of the FAU San Diego State game is playing with house money. Nobody expected them to be here. Nobody expects them to beat UConn. That's always dangerous. You know, Miami is not expected to beat UConn. House money, they weren't expected to be here because we heard about how down the ACC was. So they're not expected to be here. So, you know, UConn, keep your head on a swivel. And the one thing that I do wonder, the one thing that I do wonder is if this week off has hurt UConn's momentum because they were a well-oiled machine. And, you know, they were playing every two days. They had the three or four day break between the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. But then, you know, um, we'll see. You know, is have they gotten rusty during that time off? Have they been hearing themselves in the news all week? And now they're feeling themselves and think that they can't be beat. This is all interesting stuff to me. I hope it's interesting to you. So, again, please, Sports Reports is ordered on YouTube. Please. You know, Instagram, leave us some comments, leave us some emails, you know, like let us know what you're thinking. Let us know. We want to keep the conversation going. We love it. We love y'all. We out of here. You know, we'll be back on Monday or Tuesday, you know, recording Monday, uploaded on Tuesday. Sports reports is ordered. Two five. The madness is here. It's almost over, but it doesn't have to be. Stay tuned for the final four. These kids earned their way here. Love you, America. Yes. And I'm out. Peace.